Hello, welcome to another episode of The High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. Ryan, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. We're chuckling. We've had a few little, uh, uh, mix-ups here in the broadcast room. Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. But today with us, we've got Taylor Wetley from Salimph Tech. Taylor, how are you doing? Great, look, great. look like you stayed at a, at a Hilton Garden Inn last <laughs> night, so thank you for traveling for us. Yes, absolutely. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. So uh, give us tell us a little bit about... Uh, this is the cutting edge technology. So tell us a little bit about first yourself and then about Salimph Tech. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, born and raised uh, north of uh, West Lafayette in Fowler, Indiana. Um, grew up on a farm, um, but I've always had an interest in ag technology and, and business and applying that. So um, about four years ago, um, Salimph Tech actually set up their U.S. headquarters uh, in West Lafayette, Indiana, and um, that's when I came on there. And um, just a little bit of kind of high-level background on the company. Um, pretty new to the U.S. market. However, um, international, we've been around for around 15 years and uh, actually got our start down in Brazil on uh, these uh, sugarcane operations. So um, a group of founders, a uh, very engineer-based uh, group, uh, started the company and uh what they set out to do on sugarcane to start was um, really automate the mills. And um, after they did that, they actually realized the, the issue there was the flow of the sugarcane to the mills. So coordinating harvesters, wagons, and, and everything that comes with that. So um, from that, we, uh, we built a solution that's focused on uh, attacking efficiencies equipment-wise. So we built... Um, a lot of solutions really within sugarcane, but really one of the main ones is based around uh, that workflow of coordinating wagons in order to keep that uh, most expensive asset, the combine, moving. So uh, using AI and everything that comes with that um, led to us building really a number of solutions with sugarcane. Um, that's a crop up, up here we're not familiar with. So that's you remove the entire plant, right? So you're... So Salimph Tech, when they started, they they were they first they fixed the mill and then they went to the field and figured out how to get more consistent product in so you don't get backlogs at the at the mill and things like that. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So managing that flow altogether through using AI and recommending really when you would dispatch a, a wagon to keep the harvester moving um, and just coordinating all of that. Okay. But okay. Today. It's it's morphed into something more, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, from there, we've gotten into row crops, um, and specifically in the U.S. market, um, which is our core business model, is is working with um, ag retailers, um, and it's uh we took what we really learned in Brazil. Um, uh, focused on efficiencies and managing the fleet, but we applied it to the to the U.S. market to corn and soybeans um, and other row crops. Um, and built a different solution from there. But still the core of what we did in Brazil, um, we applied to the U.S. agri-retail market. So uh, building a system that uh, helps coordinate spreaders and sprayers, um, but also the trucking piece of it. How do we keep those very expensive, you know, seven, $800,000 sprayers and spreaders moving in the field through AI, through monitoring, through telematics, um, and, and everything that comes with that. And your platform is called? Uh, Slim Tech Retail. Okay. So a little more explanation. So you you put GPS. Uh, uh, so you you can basically coordinate them all through tracking. Through tracking, thank you. And then and then you did it. 
pick the right route or the right time. So it's almost like a dispatch type software. Yes, yes. Um, dispatch is a piece of it. Um, I like to think of it really as an asset management tool. Um, but yeah, a scheduling, a scheduling tool for your entire fleet. Um, we're running simulations where um, we're, through our AI Alice platform, we're asking the question uh, based on weather conditions in this field, these field locations and product cleanout times and travel times of these machines and coordinating trucks. All of that together gets simulated. And with that, we'll recommend uh, a recommended schedule for the day um, to get across the most acres, most efficient route, while also taking into account those weather conditions and everything like that. And then from there, the operation managers can kind of plug and play and adjust that schedule from there. Sounds like a lot of variables. <laughs> it is, absolutely. So so you have this platform. It's several retailers. But what we really brought you here today to talk about and something that we're pretty excited about is, is this next leap that you've taken into automation. And, um, and we're going to we're going to be experimenting with you guys next year um, with a Solix I think it's Solix Robots mm -hmm. is what uh, what the brand name of those are. So let's dig into that just a little bit because uh, I think we're going to have two of those things running around. So uh, give us a little history on that and what can we expect from from those? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of gave that background um, to talk about the logistical side of things. And, you know, that's what we've been focused on as a company. But through all these years, what we've been missing is kind of that visual at the plant level, what's actually growing going on at the agronomic level. So that's where the Selix platform was born from. Um, it's something we've been working on um, and then we're bringing it to market um, in partnership with Premier and um, some other companies uh, throughout the industry, but we're bringing it to market going into 23. Um, but it's something we've been working on um, all the way in Brazil for going on four to five years now. And um, this platform, what it does is and I say platform because it, it is a robot, fully autonomous, but um, we think there's going to be a lot of things that we add on to it um, on the scouting side, on the application side, and everything that comes with that. Um, but with the Selix robot, what we have is a, a fully autonomous uh, solar panel-powered machine um, that's going across the field. And what that's doing is just detecting where the weeds are and um, spraying there. So... Um, as we're going through the field, fully autonomous, um, we're are, you know, applying on the field, and this is a it's a it's a different concept than what we're used to. Um, if you, really a good way to think about it is if you rewind maybe a hundred years to your great great grandpa, and um, you know a lot of the time they were going through and they were just hoeing the field. Well, this is a similar concept. We're going to be actually going through the field multiple times with these robots and maintaining that field. So. Um, a little bit of flipping things on its head, but, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how that platform looks. So you, you can identify a weed versus a plant and you're not going to be broadcast applying product at that point. Yes, correct? that's okay. exactly correct. So you're doing a scouting aspect of, of this as well. So there's a lot of data being collected. Also there's action being based on what it's seeing. So the data that's being collected is usable, how stored, where let's talk about that just a little bit from a scouting piece. We have to be able to get something back out of that. How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, um, our software platform, uh, is really, uh, so for premier, it's going to be premier.slimtech and it's their own entire environment. And that's where all that data is stored is, is in that environment. So, um, the scouting piece is going to be something that's going to continue develop 
Um, that, that just, what's typical with machine learning. You're really just teaching it a different grade level, you know, each time and it's getting smarter and smarter. Um, but you know, there's a number of things that we're going to do with that data. And, um, really it's going to be a learning process with Premiere about what exactly is the fit with some of this data. Um, but things like early disease detection, stand count, um, you know, numerous things will be possible with that in identifying insects and then, you know, working in conjunction with Premier and, and agronomists, we're going to be able to make some, maybe some better agronomic decisions, um, as we're going to be having basically an agronomist and a applicator in the field, uh, 24 seven or, you know, once every 10 days, whatever kind of that sequence is that we develop and makes sense. That's uh, pretty fascinating that you can be scouting the field autonomously recording the data and making an application at the same time. And, uh, I'd say it's almost, um, you know, when we broadcast a fungicide, we're doing a broadcast across the entire field. And I could see a situation where you'd only be spraying the fungicide only on the plant, only on the crop. And we've talked about remote sensing a lot, but you guys have, have almost jumped it because we haven't really got there. We haven't got there with, the commercial machines that we use today, but now it's almost, we jumped that technology into autonomous with that technology. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the part about coming back to the field numerous times is kind of where we see that value proposition. Um, just applying maybe a t typical pre-program is kind of the business model and then maintaining the field after with posts. So multiple times, uh, by coming through multiple times, I think there's a lot of various opportunities that are going to, um, come from the scouting piece, but particularly on the application piece as well. That's neat. And we've got two of these units scheduled to be a premier ag this year. Two of them. Yeah. And they're going to be on, on customers. Yep. So, uh, with the customers agreed to do it and are filling out information for, for him now. So, uh, and this is feeding off RTK. So you might talk about what's driving this thing and, uh, I think there's always that thought in the back of everybody's mind is when it gets to a when it gets to an end row, does it just drive across the road? I mean, what happens? Will it stay in the right? field? Exactly. <laughs> it won't, yeah, it right. won't leave. Right. <laughs> and there are other things that we want to address, and uh, so I will I will go ahead and cue this one up. But um, how are you getting around um, these other sensitive crops that are within the area? So you're doing a lot of you're doing a lot of investigation prior to we know the the dicamba discussions and all of these type of discussions. And so these neighboring fields and how are we protecting against that, knowing this is fully autonomous. So let's back up and talk about how does it stay in the field, first <laughs> of all, and then what's it spraying and, and how do we keep all of that contained? Yeah. How does it know that the wind's 27 mile an hour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To that point, we have weather stations on them. So uh, that live weather data <laughs> at all times. But um, as, we're, as we're getting through the field, there's there's a few different ways to do it. We can go off the, the planning lines that we already have. Um, and we can also set our own lines through RTK. Um, but once we basically go through that field one time, we're going to go off that same, those same exact routes as, as last time. And um, each of these applications is referred to as a mission. So um, we're setting a mission for the robot and it's going through the field and doing that mission. Um, if we have fields that are close together, say, um, you know, they can just get from one to the other via waterway. Um, we can just set that as mission one, mission two, we'd, we'd cross that field and, and go to that. Um, but in particular on the sensing side, um, we have quite a bit of sensors. It's around 14 sensors and cameras and different things on this. Um, 
taking into account the safety piece of it. So uh, one, we have live monitoring of it through our, our software, through the Premier webpage where they can see where it's at uh, as it's going through the field. Um, and then if it's stopped in particular, we can uh, actually look through the robot with our uh, camera that comes down there, one of the cameras, and we can see what's there. So say if a, you know, a deer walked in front of it for some reason, it would stop. Um, you know, if uh, for some reason my, my truck won't, <laughs> be handy. I, I want my, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, need, I, I need that. I needed that earlier this week, <laughs> actually. Yeah, so th- I mean, that's a big value prop for uh, your farmers that are big hunters. You know, you got a, uh, oh, a live gosh, camera gonna, going to the gonna, field, seeing where the bucks we're are at. Do game scouting. Can't <laughs> uh, wait to hear from DNR over this. <laughs> oh what is that? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing to see here. <laughs> Uh, we'll go back to. <laughs> I was just. All, so, we we're already making practical applications. Yeah, exactly. With gun mounts. So can we take the weather station off and put a gun? <laughs> but so back to the back to the automation. So I guess the the robot just rests. It kind of parks itself. It, it does its application. It's mission complete. And then it just kind of parks itself, recharges, and gets ready for the next mission. Exactly, yeah. So we'll have a home base that we'll set up, you know, maybe a corner of the field, maybe if they have a little set aside somewhere, whatever that makes sense based on the location. And um, it, it kind of depends on the fields or singular field that we're doing um, in that instance. It's like the Mars rover. <laughs> I mean, it's just this is uh, pretty neat that it's going to be out there by itself. Obviously, you'll be monitoring it. Got lots of cameras, lots of sensors. But be out there parked by itself, waiting to waiting for the right weather conditions to go spray. Yep, yep, that's correct. And uh, with the energy side, so we're recharging um, via the solar panels. So uh, really, the the interaction uh, one uh, from the Slim Tech side um, in conjunction with Premier, we have our service team that's going to be help supporting this, obviously, because it's uh, new technology and we want to be very close to it. But also, uh, some of the Premier team, um, we're still kind of working through this, but we'll be working in conjunction with them on refilling the tanks and, and things like that. So um, that's going to be a process um, of making sure that the tanks are full when it's empty, and, and that's that human element, the interaction that we'll have with it there. I mean, I guess it stops when it figures out it's empty. Correct, it's yeah, gonna, and it would return stop. to that home base, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. All right, very nice. Very nice. Is What's the weather proofing on this because i mean i i kind of envisioned that it would go back to whatever home base is and pull in under something but you don't want it to do that because that's how it charges correct or am i wrong on that yeah so we uh to recharge we need sunlight so i guess parking under a tree um would limit the recharging some so we'll want to be where you have access to the sun but okay. you know also as we're going through the field we're, we're recharging too so sure um just because it's parked doesn't mean that's when it's got to be recharged okay all right we probably don't want this right next to a road somewhere because it's going to look pretty wild with if uh, somebody's driving down the road and they see the robot out there driving around. How uh, tall is it? So it's uh, kind of six and a half foot, I would say. I mean, I can stand under it. Um, oh so, wow! Yeah, it's going to grab some. It's going to grab some attention. Yeah, you may have a crowd uh, watching from the street, depending on where we're at. Here. Thus, the deer stand on top. Right. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Unbelievable. So. So um, with it, how, how wide of a pass does it make when it's spraying? So we have 40-foot booms on the front. Wow. Um, and with that, we have six cameras. So those are the cameras that are detecting where the weeds are at. Um, real light booms on the front. Um, yeah. We'll get a, a picture and put up uh, while 
while we're going through this to get yeah, a we'll, visual for we'll link it because i know there's Absolutely. a couple videos of of them so yeah um, what's the capacity on the spray so we have two uh dual tanks so 20 gallons on each side so it's a much smaller capacity than we're used to but um really is complementary to uh the amount that we'll be using the post directed basically correct yeah exactly. you'll be using nearly as much volume per acre exactly the what's a um i gotta think about the tires right so we're the machines we have, you won't need the type of tires that we have on those. Has it got fairly all-terrain or four-wheel drive or what propels it through the through the field? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, front-wheel drive there, um, and they're pretty uh, beefier tires, you know, um, yeah, a foot tall. Not real tall tires, um, but uh, there's something that uh, we find can make it through the field pretty easily. They don't have to be massive because of the weight of it. It's not a um, a super heavy machine. It's around 1100 pounds. So, um, it's a lot lighter. So with that, you know, we think we can get in sooner, um, uh, depending on weather conditions and how much rain, maybe we can get in before larger, um, rigs. Plus it probably doesn't need to go fast either, right? Because you're just doing spraying the weeds and, and, um, it's not like it's got a flow flow meter that has to be going a certain speed to get through the, through the nozzle. That's uh, pretty fascinating. Anything else you want to tell us about? I mean, we're we're pretty excited about. It. We had two. It wasn't hard to find. It wasn't hard to find people who wanted to have them. They were they were curious for sure. And, and so you're linking, I believe, some of the questions that you ask. You're linking with their planter monitors or whatever. I think you a little bit um, uh, referred to that earlier. But I mean, that's a pretty extensive questionnaire. It's not in, not invasive by any stretch. But there's a lot of questions on that that you're tying with the growers to utilize that at least in this initial trial stage. So, uh, so you're probably, if you have that capabilities, you're just going to follow that planner. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's the simplest way to do it. We have other ways to do it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the idea there. And, um, just kind of to your first question, things to add to this is it, this is an ongoing thing that we, like I said before, we, we really view this as a platform and, uh, something that's going to grow over time. You know, there's going to be other sensors that we can add to it, um, to gain different insights and make different agronomic decisions um, and things like that. When you're having a machine in the field that much and as a tool to the agronomist with all that data, there's, I think it's just the tip of the iceberg there. Um, but, you know, we're really excited uh, to work with Premier on this and kind of learn together. So how many will you have out next summer? So we will have, um, particularly in North America, um, we have kind of a separate business model down in Brazil that's more uh, scouting-based. Uh, meanwhile, in the U.S. and Canada, it's more uh, application-based. And with that, we'll have 10 up in uh, Canada, and then we'll have 20 in the U.S. market. And that's particularly focused um, in the Midwest, in the U.S. market on corn and soybeans. Well, appreciate you coming to us, to us with the opportunity, and uh, we're excited about it. And it's uh, <clears throat> going to drive a lot of interest because if you think about what we're doing with the with the cost of equipment and then also uh, – you know, just there's other things happening too, like with compaction as, as the equipment gets bigger. There's a lot of things that we can benefit from having a, a smaller machine in a field and, uh, and obviously being able to scout and make an application at the same time will be a first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're like I said before, we're excited to work with it, um, with Premier and, um, to see where it goes. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, Sal. You got anything else? No, that's it, Taylor. Thank you very much. I know I've got more questions. I'm not sure what they are. <laughs> I'll probably have a lot more when we unload it and, and uh, 
we do a test around the parking lot or what we're going to do with it. Yeah. And, uh, once we get them here, uh, we, we've asked, we've asked the growers that have them to be very, to be very promotive of them mm-hmm. to, you know, share the fact that they're out there and they're running. And I, I don't know, they're going to be covering close to 400 acres. I believe if I read the, if I read that correctly, so they've, they've got 400 acres, 200 a piece or 300 200 or whatever so uh substantial amount of time we're going to get to spend with them next year and and hopefully uh through our through our platforms we'll be able to to show what they're doing and uh uh, yeah it's it's a neat opportunity for us so do you have anything else for us no i not really um just if anybody'd like additional information uh search that um good way to reach out to us um but other than that i appreciate both you guys having me on Yep, thank you very much for coming. That's another episode of The High Ground Powered by Premier Companies. Thank you.